Hi again, everyone, and welcome in to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Bill Zedites, and we're so glad to have you along for the ride and today's episode. Today, we're uh, talking surprise used cars and buying centers and uh, those important uh, elements to the dealership business and some key areas of improvement and opportunity for dealers within their used car operations. And really happy today. Joining me is uh, Mark Gilbert. Mark's the CEO at Automotive Training Network, ATN, and uh, Bobby Mills. And uh, Bobby is with Bob Mills Mitsubishi and He's joining us as well today. Bobby, one of the uh, young dealer execs recognized in auto remarketing's dealer 40 under 40. And uh, that is generously sponsored by Mark and his team at ATN. So we certainly appreciate that. Gentlemen, great to have you on with us today. And we welcome you on board to the auto remarketing podcast. Bobby, let's start with you. Tell us a a little bit of your background in the industry. I know your dad's involved. So I'm sure you have an interesting tale to tell about uh, growing up in the car business. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Obviously, my dad started in 1993 as an independent dealer, and then I actually had no plans of coming uh, back into the family business. I was actually in uh, grad school at the time, and my dad actually had a mini stroke, and he's fine now, of course. He's uh, still active, but that's when I decided to come back home. So I figured like any um, really smart college graduate, I decided to come back home and work in the buy here, pay here. So so my background... You started off with the easy stuff, huh? Yeah, I started with the easy ones. So I started off with collections and buy here, pay your customer base. But a lot of great policies that that I learned from that, you know, led led us to the retail side. And then in in 2017, so that was 2011, February of 2011, we opened up our buy here, pay here operation. And then actually in August of 17, we got our first Mitsubishi store in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And then um, really end of October of 2019, we got our second uh, Mitsubishi store in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a quick rundown of what has happened. And then I, since then, I've served on the National Advisory Board for Mitsubishi since we've been a Mitsubishi dealer. And obviously, I'm partnering with Mark here, just trying to move it to the next level. Absolutely. And Mark, you know you know Bobby and his group well. Uh, what what impresses you about Bobby and his group and some of the some of the really cool things that they've done uh, with their stores? Well, you know, Bill, just uh, right out of the gate, just Bobby um, in the way he introduced himself and, and the humility there. I mean, he's a London School of Economics graduate. He's he's very, very sharp with numbers. He he can do a lot of a lot of things. And I think that's the most impressive thing. And I think as we see a lot of these next generation dealers coming up, he's a great example of somebody that is embracing technology and embracing opportunities to, in this case, of course, we're talking about used car acquisition, just bring it to the next level. So to me, that's the most impressive thing. We we love having dealer partners that are progressive and that and that get it and and kind of want to stay on that cutting edge. And Mark, just to follow up on that, I mentioned it earlier, but but we sure do appreciate uh, your commitment and, and the support of ATN in this dealer 40 under 40 segment. It's a it's such a great group of young executives that we gather each year, and, and it's great to partner with you and your team. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Bill. You know, honestly, this, is, this will be my 42nd year. That kind of ages me a bit. 42nd year in the car business. But just being straight up, I do believe that I've learned more in the last seven than I learned in the first 35. And I think I owe a lot of that to, you know, the bright, progressive mind like Bobby and those that are that are up and coming. This business is just evolving and changing so fast. And, and I think the digital element is just making it really exciting. 
Well, Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand the uh, the keys to the car over to you for a second because I know you're you're very familiar with with Bobby and uh, and what he's doing with uh, his buying center and and that type of thing. So I'm gonna let you drive a little bit because I know you have some really good questions and um, and some things that uh, that you'd like for for Bobby to share with our audience. Yeah, absolutely, happy to do that. Just kind of running through a few things. So, so Bobby, if you don't mind, I think some of the things that a lot of the, the dealers out there uh, would be interested in hearing is when we talk about a buying center, you know, in particular, what is different than, than the conventional way that it's being done now versus when you've kind of pooled your resources and you guys are all in that war room that you've built? What would you share with them about, you know, what you've seen differently since you've set that up? I would go back, really, Bill and, and Mark, Dale Pollock wrote a book kind of right before COVID hit, one of his newer books, and it was about inventory. And about and, and it, the reason I want to bring that up is it's a belief system in the buying center. And traditionally, I would say dealers, and, and majority of dealers still today, they only buy cars with the blinders on to retail that vehicle. However, when you have a buying center, we no longer believe in our belief system is not to purchase vehicles for retail. We purchase vehicles for profit. I love that. Yeah. And that that's the big difference. And that's kind of you're kind of going in the direction that I was wanting to ask more questions about, because I just just was on a phone yesterday with a dealer that didn't understand that concept. So tell me about that. Tell me about maybe the percentages and kind of the things that you're seeing as you are, are actively engaged in the wholesale market. So I, th I think there's a couple things with that being that impact, right? And we talked about, you know, so our belief here is we, we measure it by profit per day. So, so if we acquire a unit, we look at it as profit per day. Uh, that being said, too, in order to maximize profit per day, you have to have an exit strategy day one. Well, there's a lot of dealers again, too, and I, get, I go back to belief system time and time again and mindset is they didn't want to partner with some of the biggest players. They were afraid to partner with CarMax or Carvana. Well, I think the moment that you get over yourself and you're willing to say, listen, there's the buyers out there and you partner with these other entities, that's when you can really exercise this exit strategy. So I think the fact that we, we have those partners with us, including ACV, you know, Backlot, all of them as well, that we're truly embracing to do that. Would you say that because of this situation that your throughput relative to aging on your retail has been favorably impacted because you have such a, a throughput of wholesale activity as well. Correct. Yeah, it's, it's overall you know, viability. Yeah, no question about it. Would you? So I guess my question is, how would you say this has impacted your like your day supply and your ability to need to stock more or or, or be actually be able to get away with stocking less? What are your yes. thoughts on, yes. on that? Um, I think you learn quickly that you can, and we've talked about this before, if you're stocking the right items, you can you can stock more. But I believe, I think as long as you don't treat wholesale as a four-letter word, it enables you to keep that day supply in your inventory turning and turning. And part of the problem, too, if you wholesale, wholesale is a four-letter word, guys, the only wholesale problem children and the only wholesale aging, hmm. well, then it is going to be a four-letter word for them. Let's also talk about the beginning and the sourcing as to where you're getting vehicles, because you did mention, obviously, partnerships with some of those major players. And, and some of those players in particular have some great data with, that we all you know, love to be able to look at and see. When you're sourcing, are you also involving street purchasing and, and accessing through outside third-party vendors to, uh, to be able to buy directly from consumers? Yes, we are. We're, Tell we're us a little bit about that. 
So we're using partners. So a way to explain it is, is we definitely partner um, heavily with, with other buying centers. And I'll give you an example. Uh, CarMax is one of the biggest, I mean, CarMax is the largest used car retailer in the country, I believe still. Is yeah. that correct? Or, yeah, that's correct. Uh, correct. So they're going to have certain vehicles that are just greater for certain markets of theirs than we are in. And that allows you to write a benefit to your customer base in your area to still acquire the vehicle and still exit strategy to them. And are you actually purchasing some of your products directly off the street from consumers? Correct. Correct. Sorry. So we, we'll kind of go back to the, this consumer purchase. So the reason we're able to acquire vehicles at such a higher rate is because they're not getting just one figure. And I think that's where people, they like the term shopping around. Well, if you're able to shop for the customer at your location amongst multiple vendors, it, you know, they realize that you're going to be able to secure them, you know, the highest value. Sure. And would you say before you opened your buying center that that you were doing less of these what we call private party purchases? Oh, we, we were we were in low single digits, if okay. any. We, we we would just fall into them. Where now it is a common daily practice. It's its own department. It's its own division. You know, and it's its own process. And so if you're so, going to give some other dealers some advice as to how they could do a better job, maybe purchasing directly from consumers, what would that advice look like? I think you need to treat it as if you're starting a new business. Okay. And, and you have to decide who's going to be in charge of it. And, and what is your belief system in acquiring inventory? Awesome. And so I guess, how has this affected your retail business? Because you have this buying center. What is your retail, since you've opened the buying center, can you give me rough ideas on your sales volume versus previous uh, times? Uh, I, I, would, I would say for, for our entities, it's, it's just, a, it seems to always split this way. If we acquire 50 units in a month's time, we keep 50% for retail and the other 50% for wholesale. So we're 50-50 wow. splitting them. That enables us to, you know, have, gain another customer. And in addition to that, too, we're turning these buying center customers into a lot of times a, a new Mitsubishi customer. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but Mitsubishi's market share is not quite the same as Toyota or Chevy <laughs> or Hyundai or Kia. What? I had not heard that. But I don't know if you guys heard that or not. But that's new here. <laughs> that's new here on the Auto Remarketing Podcast, Bobby. Thank oh you. Oh my goodness, Bill. Yes, we're getting, yes, we're getting I thought I'd give you some good insight. So for us, we had to do a lot of organic, you know, organic sales for the Mitsubishi brand. And it's it's brought in a different customer to our to our dealerships that would have never walked in the doors. And it's really allowed us to brand ourselves in such a way that we never got before. And they're just it's a very high quality customer. And we're excited to have them come through those doors and show them the brand. You are uh, listening to the voices of uh, Bobby Mills with the Bob Mills Mitsubishi stores and, and also Mark Gilbert, CEO of ATN Training on the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Bill Zadites, and we thank you for joining us today as we roll forward with today's conversation focused on used car operations and specifically on some of the strategy and planning behind uh, a buying center at your store and specifically at Bob Mills Mitsubishi from from that standpoint. Mark, I know you had a couple more questions. And then what I'd like to do is is hear more from Bobby on a kind of a broader used car market uh, conversation as well. And but I'll let you go ahead with uh, with your next question and then we'll we'll dive into a broader conversation. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah, I just had like really one more kind of a combination question, I guess, uh, Bobby, as you because you you have I know this and I and I want to make sure that those listening understand this. You have personally kept your finger on the pulse of this. So you're 
you're being kind in the way that you're giving a lot of credit to your team. And I appreciate that. But but as a dealer principal, one of the things that I've learned uh, working with dealers across the country for years is my best dealers are hands-on in the middle of the activity. How are you managing to do that? And what would you say to another dealer that maybe isn't quite as involved in buying and overseeing inventory management? What advice would you give dealers about how involved they should be with this? I would tell them this is your biggest your biggest investments, your people. And the second biggest investments, your inventory. And it requires a daily audit. And I mean, we we typically stock about eight to 10 million in inventory. And I'm daily going through all the vehicles to see where we can find these gaps. And if you're not doing that, you're going to fall asleep at the wheel. So if you do anything in your job, it's, it's to make sure this is occurring. Gosh, Mark, that's such a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not studying every day, you're not learning every day. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now, Bobby, I know that has to be down through the years. You've learned a lot from your dad, and and I know the business has changed a lot. But but in your conversations with him, what are some of the the the, the biggest differences of when he was running stores and doing that type of thing, and and the way you're you're running the business now? I mean, analytics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I call them the car guys. You know, you got the car guys smoking the cigarette at the auction in the lane. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I was 13 years old going to Mannheim, Darlington. That's too early to start smoking, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's probably why I never picked up cigarettes. But, uh, you know, that that was a car guy feel, right? And and that feel can be replaced by analytics as long as you trust the information. And you, you see it, I mean, for a lot of people, too, you see these analytics moves, you know, through baseball, right? Mm hmm. You saw that first through baseball and Billy Bean and, and that crowd with the Oakland A's. And, that, and now you see it throughout the NFL for the majority of the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's so funny but, that you say that, because as you were saying what you just said, Bobby, I'm thinking of those scouts in the back room on the Moneyball movie where yeah. they're saying, ah, you just want to know who's a good player. And you're right. Our business has really evolved very similarly. So and, and not to say those guys still cannot be successful. Of course, there's a lot of those that are still highly successful in this industry. But if you're going to try to do something that's scalable onto a level that goes beyond yourself, you're going to have to do it with analytics. Mm. Great you know, point. My, you know, and my dad's still involved. He's still he's still one of our buyers. He enjoys uh, buying cars. He he enjoys going to the auction more than sitting behind a computer for eight hours. But that's what he enjoys. But I think when I think about preparation, and all that, because the market is changing so much and there is so much uncertainty because things and information move so fast. You have to be prepared to move on a dime. Yeah. Luckily, you know, books and banks still allow you to use the same book value throughout the entire month, despite J.D. Power now producing weekly books. So you, the way I look at it is this. You have 30 days to get rid of a vehicle. And by the time that month is over and the book drops, how are you truly not able to, how are you going to be better able to sell a car with a lesser value in a, you know, a higher LTV? Probably not likely. Absolutely. In just the uh, the the final couple of minutes that we have here with Bobby and Mark, uh, guys, I'm gonna gonna ask each of you to comment on this. But Bobby, on a from what you hear from your peers, uh, maybe at other stores, whether they're Mitsubishi stores or just uh, whether they're franchise independent, what what is the feel in the used car market right now? And how has the year been thus far? You touched on that a little bit earlier. And and what are you looking for um, as we kind of roll through the fourth quarter? And then Mark, I know you 
talk with a lot of uh, different dealers uh, every day and just be interested to he- hear, you know, your finger on the pulse of of where the used car market is and and kind of where we're going as we head toward used car week in November. Bobby first and then and then Mark follow up. I would I would say one thing that's occurred just as COVID happened and supply chain issues occurred, certain makes and models were were still in high demand, others weren't. Mm-hmm. And when I think about right now, obviously the Federal Reserve looks like they want to increase rates by one more quarter point this year, which I believe so. But then you have the UAW factor. Mm-hmm. So I mean that, that I think the domestics we could see we could see a little bit of a dichotomy where some of the late model domestic vehicles could increase in pricing temporarily. I think over two to four weeks until they make a deal. But at the same token, the imports could take over more market share. So I think you just got to keep your inventory at a manageable level, which manageable level to me is a 30 to 45 day cycle. Great point. Mark, your follow up. You know, I think the the, the significant point there that Bobby made is is keeping a lean and mean inventory whenever it's volatile. And right now, the used car market, I, I wouldn't say that it's highly volatile. But as we've seen, obviously, looking at the numbers over the last four to five months, as we've seen progressive uh, declines and now some settling in the market, as lean as you are is as, is as nimble as you will be able to be to be able to respond to those. So I think that that's a significant point that he makes there that I agree with. The, the other thing that we're seeing with a lot of our, our publicly traded clients and with our big clients across the country is, as, as Bobby alluded to, the late model vehicles, the one, two and three year old, what we might call, you know, program or off lease type vehicles, they are not as soft as they used to be. So that's kind of my that's kind of my tidbit that I throw out there for listeners right now is those late model vehicles that sometimes we think are, are, are a little soft, man, they're pretty firm right now. And then you throw what Bobby mentioned about the UAW on top of that, that could have some significant impact on it. But I think part of why that is, is remember, now that we've got the semiconductor stuff that's uh, you know pretty much behind us and we've got uh, day supply that are back, you know, take a look at these numbers. We're seeing, you know, rental uh, facilities, those clients reloading their wagon. And as a result, you know, we're not seeing a, a, a huge uh, excess of these, what I would call next to new type product. And I, I have to mention it. You're looking at one of the largest used car retailers in, in certainly in, in the nation with off lease and what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's centered around not having as much of that product as they're used to being able to get. Now it's also centered around some other issues like you know PE involvement and all that. But aside from that, that's a tell, and that tells me that the next to new product is going to be an interesting thing to watch over the next few months. And I think you're going to see some really strong numbers landing on on product like that more than we expect as we go into Q4. Mark, thank you. All, man, always great to catch up with you, and we appreciate your time and, uh, and spending a few minutes with you today. Yeah, my pleasure. And Bobby, man, thank you. Great to meet you. We'll look forward to seeing you uh, next month in Scottsdale for Used Car Week. You too, Bill. And I, like, I'd like to finish off. I, I believe the UAW president is going to win the battle but lose the war. All right. You heard it here on the Auto Remarketing <laughs> Podcast. Bobby Mills, put it up on the board. Appreciate yeah. that. Oh, man. Well, again, we'll look forward to seeing both of you gentlemen. I appreciate the time today. Uh, can't wait to catch up when we're in Scottsdale next month. We look forward to that. And and hey, to our listeners, you're invited to join us as well. Come out, meet Bobby, uh, meet Mark. Uh, still plenty of time to register your team for Used Car Week, November 6 through 9. We'll be at the Kierlin Resort in Scottsdale. Join us. Join us in the best of the used car industry as we gather next month. More information and registration is at usedcarweek.biz. 
That's usedcarweek.biz. Thank you for joining us today on the Auto Remarketing Podcast. The Auto Remarketing Podcast audience continues to grow, and we have you, our listeners, to thank for that. We are very grateful. So on behalf of Bobby Mills and Mark Gilbert, my name is Bill Zadites, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Auto Remarketing Podcast.